The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another V Brown Bag. Tonight, we are kicking off our new series, Python for DevOps, and tonight is The Basics. Joining us tonight is the one and only Chris Williams, Mistwire on Twitter, <laughs> the legend himself. Chris, say hello. What? Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, before we get started, though, I just want to remind everybody that this is an interactive podcast. Please ask us your questions tonight. If you're watching on GoToMeeting, ask us questions in the chat box if you would like. Uh, feel free to uh, engage with us on Twitter as well using the hashtag VBrownBag. And if you're watching and you feel like, you know, your Wednesday nights are too busy and you want to tune in another time, make sure you check out our other shows on other nights. There's a schedule right there on the right hand of the screen. I'm your host, Ken Nalbone, and I will be fielding questions during the evening. So just feel free to ask away. And I'm going to turn it over to you now, Chris. Huzzah. All right. Change presenter. Okay. Show my screen. All right, let's make sure that I am showing the correct screen. Can you guys see the presentation screen? I see your presentation, nice and full screen and pretty. Yay, all right. So um, thank you everybody for, for showing up for this. We're, we're very excited. Uh, we here at V Brown Bag are, are kicking off. Um, we've, been, we've been talking about doing this series for quite some time now because there's been um, as, as you all know, a, a confluence of events that have been pushing infrastructure people towards code, pushing coders towards infrastructure. And, you know, in, in the middle of, of all of this, there is this magical unicorn called DevOps. You've got your dev people and you've got your ops people. Um, and and the, the, the expectation, the, uh, the, the thought process is nowadays that, you know, that there is some people out there that can, that can do both. They can take 20 years of, of infrastructure and data center knowledge and mash it together with 20 years of architecture and software knowledge and, and uh, package all that into a, a four-year graduate student who, who will get paid less than six figures. I'm being moderately facetious, but um, that's, that's kind of the state of, state of the union today. So what we decided to do was we're going to do this, um, this series. Um, and and, and uh, I have a slide on expectations, so let's, let's kick over to that. So if this, does this work? Hello. So, um, who am I? Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Williams. I'm a cloud architect for Green Pages Solutions. Um, I'm very irritating and highly vocal on, on Twitter. So um, I'm at Mistwire up there. Um, I do a lot of work in AWS, and, and that's actually what was the, the initiator of this entire series was um, all of the work that I've been doing in AWS for the past three years. Um, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a lot codier. So um, I've also been a vExpert for, for a while now. Um, I've uh, I cut my teeth on VMware, so I have a VCIX 5 and 6. Um, I started, you know, on GSX 2.0 back in the day, um, which tells you exactly how old I am. I also helped to run a couple of different community groups, V Brownback, of course. Um, I also run the Amazon Web Services Portsmouth User Group, AWS Pug, which has an adorable logo of a tiny little pug um, with uh, AWS on the side. He's super cute. Um, I also helped to run the VTUG. So we just had our Gillette Stadium Winter Warmer last week, and I got to meet Rob Ninkovich, and I have an amazing picture of him, too. Um, you can also see me at my blog on mistwire.com. So what I am not, I am not a developer. 
I want to I want to be very clear about that. And as as we get into the meat of this presentation, you will see exactly how much of not of a developer I am, um, because uh, this this is Python for non-developers who are tr who are learning. Um, I'm I'm in that group with everybody else. Um, if you already know how to do classes and functions, and and you've you have a, a, a CS degree and you've been writing code for a very long time, this might not be the class for you. Um, but the rest of the, but the good news is the rest of the series will be the will be the right place for you, um, and I'll get onto that when we uh, when we get through this. So today we're going to cover, you know, the environment, um, some the resources, and that's literally the most important part of this. So the the great resources section, I'm going to go through that a little bit ad nauseum, and then we're going to get into some of the basics: variable strings, booleans, data structures, looping functions. Um, this is not. We are not going to get into version control. We are not going to do any of that stuff. We have covered that innumerable times with uh, two seasons of commitments, the the twelve the twelve days of commitments, both in what was it, Ken? Was it twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen? I forget, or was it twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen? I think fifteen I, and sixteen. I think there was no seventeen, but I could be wrong. It could have been sixteen, seventeen, skip eighteen. The years run Regardless, the, the, there's a ton of Git well, <laughs> version I know my control. a lot since then. Yes, exactly. So um, we're not going to even go near Git uh, because we already have tons of videos on it. If you want to get into some version control knowledge, I highly encourage you to do it, but this isn't going to be where it's going to be at. Check out the other videos. Um, the, the format of this series is that it's not going to be contiguous. We are going to have seminars and sessions um, when the speakers can present. Um, some of the speakers are in Australia, some of them are in EMEA, some of them are you know, in Oregon and stuff like that. So 8.30 Eastern Standard Time is not good for everybody. Um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna record them when we can, we're gonna, we're gonna post them when we can. Um, sometimes we'll be lucky and they will happen at 8.30 EST on Wednesday. Um, sometimes they won't. Um, but the good news is, is on those times when it doesn't, we'll actually have, you know, some other series running on the 8.30 Wednesday night session slot. So you'll get two V brownbacks for the price of one. Um, like I said, some of it's not going to be live. And the rest of the presenters that we have, other than myself, because remember, I'm not a developer, are actually going to be dev and DevOps people. Um, and the format that we're gonna have is gonna be a highly operational, highly technical format. It's gonna be, here's the problem or task that I had that I ran into in my environment and you know, go through some of, of the wherewithal of, of all of that. And this is gonna, then they're gonna go, okay, and this is how I solved it using Python. This is gonna be like a little bit of the architecture and the, the data flow. And then we're gonna actually do a, a walkthrough of the code. Um, you know, I imported this function and this is why I imported it. This is the module that I used and these are the, these are the methods that I called from inside that module. Um, this, this is what a function does. This is, this, this is the callbacks. So there's, there's, it's going to be, it's going to be advanced, but also basic at the same time, if that makes sense. At least that's my ideal. That's, that's the vision that I have in my head of how this is going to go. Um, and, and hopefully, I'm sorry, Ken. Yeah, I was just going to say we have one question from the uh, Graham. Was wondering how many sessions can we expect in this series? As many as humanly possible. I currently have seven presenters lined up, so um, if they come through, at least seven. Uh, I, I have there's there's been there's been an exceptional amount of buzz around this, so there's been a lot of there, there's been a lot of interest in presenting. Um, so more than more than seven people have said, yeah, I would love to. Um, 
I have I have firm commitments from seven so far. Uh, so thank you. Hopefully seven. Great. <laughs> um, okay. So where to start? So the if if you are like I was, and you have you have no idea what's going on, you will you will get a wash with all of the different recommendations of what to uh, what to install, what to use, what what, to, what this is this is the best thing, that's the best thing. Literally, the only thing that you need to get started is is Python. Just go to python.org, um, download the 3.7.2 as of this recording version of it, and and run everything from idle. Uh, if you want to get into Notepad or Sublime or Atom or Visual Studio Code or PyCharm um, as your IDE of preference, if you want to use Git Subversion or Code Commit as version control, I, I don't care. I, I truly, there, there has been so much blood spilt over the back and forth of that that I'm not going to get into that topic. Um, do, do what you want to do. You do you. And, and uh, I, I'm going to, so I personally use Visual Studio Code and I and I use GitHub to to commit all my stuff. I, I just have public repos. Um, I did just create the first private repo because they just made three privates. Um, so I've been I've been moving stuff into my private repos. Um, that's what I use. Um, I happen to like Visual Studio Code. I'm I don't I don't care what anybody uses. I used Notepad plus plus for the longest time and and that was that was perfectly fine for me and before that i used i used just just idle and uh and and the REPL, and and that was that was perfectly uh, sufficient as well so that's that is um you know there, there's there every, everybody that ideally every presenter that we have is going to have like a different a different take a different id so that everybody can get like a a broad spectrum view of of, of what's available out there um but yeah yeah, okay. I think it's only a matter of time before somebody chimes in with VI Master Race for their IDE. Oh, oh, somebody's gonna say Vim Emacs. Of course they are. That's that's you know, it's I I should have put a logo up for that. Goddamn, Ken. <laughs> let's let's end the recording and start over then. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So this this right here is the most important slide. Um, take a screen cap. Uh, do do whatever you got to do. Um, this this is. This is the thought process. I have I have been through a a ton of different books. Let me take that back. I've I've looked at a ton of different books, or I have skimmed a ton of different books, um, and and I'll get into learning methodology here in a second. Um, these these courses and these websites are are the the best of breed in my opinion, and but they are the ones that spoke to my brain type too. So. Automate the Boring Stuff by Al Swigert. Um, in fact, all of the stuff from Al Swigert, if you go to his website, is is super primo. Um, but that book in particular is really good for um, infrastructure people who just need to get enough under their belt to 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 learn how to like manipulate files or or push things into different stuff or do a little bit of web scraping or something like that. He doesn't even get into object oriented programming in this. There's there's very little he doesn't. He doesn't get into um, uh, uh, list. Uh, what's what's that word that I'm thinking of? Dictionaries and list. Um, I'll, I'll think of it later. He, he doesn't. He doesn't get into the higher level stuff. Um, th th this this book right here is really great for people that want to get into it. Don't 
they don't need to know higher level stuff or they, or they, or they just want to know just enough to, you know, figure out how to, you know, take this file that they get on Friday night and, and instead of spending 10 hours parsing it, figure out how to have a script go through and rip all the data out of it and put it into an Excel spreadsheet. This is, this is a really good one. Um, Modern Python 3 Bootcamp uh, by Colt Steele on Udemy. He doesn't have a, a, a Twitter handle. Um, this is this is the only course on here that, or actually no, this one's also paid for. This is the, this is the only uh, Udemy video course on here that is that is a paid for thing that I'm that I'm recommending uh, because it is it is really that good. There's there's like 300 or 400 lessons, um, and each lesson is is broken up with actual. Um, gradable code options. So, so he gives you a task that you have to commit, that you have to complete in code in, inside of the, uh, the website. And, and there's an auto grader in there that grades whether you did it correctly or not. And it's, it's phenomenal. And it's like, you know, lesson exam, lesson exam, lesson exam, list comprehension. That was what I was trying to think of before. List comprehension and dictionary comprehension. He doesn't, Al doesn't get into list or dictionary comprehension, um, which is amazing space magic. I'll get into that later too. Um, so Colt Steele, Udemy Modern Python 3 Bootcamp, um, he's, he's got a, a really good way of, of conveying the information, um, and, and my brain really worked with this one. Another one that's really fantastic is Python for Everybody by Dr. Charles Severance. I think he's out of the University of Michigan. Um, this is fantastic. This one's free. It also has an auto grader, um, pi4e.com. I, f I first ran into this on Coursera, but then I realized that he also published it on his own website for free. So that's that's this is really, really good, especially for list. Um, uh, excuse me, for strings, uh, th things that you want to do with strings, splitting strings, farming information out of strings. He's, he's got a really excellent section that explains strings um, to, to, a, to a very, very uh, granular degree. I, I liked him a lot for that. Um, Python Crash Course by Eric Mathis. That is another fantastic book. What's really good about this one is um, there's, it, it's broken up into two halves. The first half is the basics. And the second half is really good meaty projects that have like like super that, that have good value in them, much like automate the borrowing stuff, where you have projects and everything. But this one he gets into object-oriented programming, list comprehension, dictionary comprehension, classes. Um, he he gets into the the advanced stuff as well. It's not so I've put these out in the order that I wish that I would have learned them in. I didn't. I didn't do these all in order, but this is. If I was going to start over fresh again now, this is how I would do it. I would do automate the boring stuff, then the modern boot camp, then Python for everybody, then the crash course. <coughs> Excuse me. Code combat is is oops, is ridiculously fun. This is a website built for I think sixth graders or seventh graders, something like that, and it it teaches you it teaches you Python through like a like a Dungeons and Dragons scenario where you have heroes and and each piece of gear that you have has different functions, different functions and methods that you can call. So like you you get you get a pair of glasses that allow you to see to a certain distance and then that allows you to call a function called, you know, find nearest enemy. Um, and and it it starts off very, very simplistic. Um, move left, move right, move up, move down, but then it then it gets it gets really like, you know, move across the screen, only attack the skeletons, grab coins, but only get the gold ones that are worth more than this. Once you've gotten 25 coins, stop and then go and kill the, you know, the, the master, the wizard skeleton. It's, 
it's really cool and and the way that the way that they do everything is super 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 repetitive so you, you they they really hammer at home and and repetition is the best way to learn anything especially a new language whether that be a computer language or or a physical language code combat seriously hammers at home um, i and i actually play this for fun I, I i i'll log into it at night and for like 25 or 30 minutes i'll just play it for fun just to like level up and and get my my warrior my wizard uh up to you know up to the next section or whatever like that and each class each character class you have like warriors and rogues and wizards each character class can do different things so the warriors can swipe and cleave and the wizards can cast and and uh and the assassins can jump it's really cool um then of course there's the actual documentation from python so there's a there's a beginner's Python tutorial which I recommend everybody just go through, uh, and then there's then there's the beginner's guide which has a ton of links to a bunch of other really good resources in here as well. Um, this right here is is really interesting. Talk Python to me is a podcast by Mike Kennedy, and he's got about two. He's, uh, he's like on a hunt, episode 194 right now, um, and I started. I started listening to it. So a, a friend of one, one of the people that's going to be presenting is the leader of the indie Python user group. Uh, his name is Calvin Hendricks Parker. He's a really nice guy. He's going to be doing one of the sessions. Um, super, super smart guy. Really loves Python. Um, and he said, start, start listening to the Py talk Python to me podcast. And I was like, Calvin, I'm, I'm not going to understand, you know, 90% of the words. He was like, that, that's irrelevant. It, it, getting, getting exposed to the words is is what's important and and he was right so i started listening to the podcast um there's there's almost 200 episodes so i just picked the ones initially that were just you know how to learn python you know teachers teaching python to sixth graders and what things they used and, and methodologies for for learning paradigms and stuff like that and and eventually i just started like i mean i was right at the beginning i didn't understand 90% of the words, but you know, I'd, I'd remember them or they'd stick in my head and I'd go Google them or whatever like that. Like what's an F string and what's, you know, what's a module and what's, what's an IDE and all that stuff. And I just had so many questions, but after a while I, I listen to it, you know, when I'm driving someplace and, and each one's an hour. Um, and it's, it's just so filled with goodness. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really good podcast. I'm, I'm actually trying to get Mike Kennedy to do one of the presentations here, which would be really cool. Um, that, that would be really fun. Um, and then Python tutor, Python tutor is a website. Actually, I'll just bring it up. Python tutor is a website that allows you to put code into, into the, um, interface. I think they're using sculpt on the back end to, uh, to execute this. Um, you put your code in here and then you visualize the execution. And what, what it does is it allows you to step through the entire process and it shows you exactly what's happening at each step. Um, this is a very simple for loop. So it's just going back and forth. It's, it's, it's iterating through the range from, you know, one to 10. Uh, and it's, and it's using the, uh, the num iterator to then do a thing to num. And right now it's just print num. Um, but if I had something like, you know, add, add, you know, iterate num plus num, then you could just add numbers together. But, Python Tutor is, is really fantastic for debugging code for yourself. Like if you've got something and you're trying to make it work and you have no idea why it's broken, you can just throw it up in here and, and 
uh, as long as it's three six. If you're doing something in three seven, like the new dictionary stuff, then then it then it wouldn't work. But as long as this, it, as long as it works with three six or, or or below, then then you'd be fine. You can you can go through here and see what the hell's going on. And and it's it's really good for visualizing. Okay, now my variable has changed from this to that. It's it's you know this this bucket of memory has changed. And, oh, that's that's why it's not working. Okay, cool. So that's that's what I that, like. I said. Most important slide. Any questions? Anybody? Anybody? No, no questions. Just a couple him. comments. Graham provided a link for some occult steals classes. Oh, he's he's so he's so helpful. If you're wondering who Doctor Chuck is, he's Charles Severance. Is is that the word I'm going to use? Helpful. I'll use helpful. Graham, you're so helpful. <laughs> I guess Britton wanted to know how you know what your quote unquote brain type is, and I just told him phrenology. We'll do this yeah, is by the bumps and divots in my head, I can tell that I'm uh, a jerk. So, um, no, my my brain type is I'm fairly stupid. Uh, I'm, I'll just go ahead and say that out loud. I'm I'm fairly dumb. It takes it takes a long time for me to like get stuff jammed into my head and memorize and everything. So I I I overstudy and have to have things said to me using block numbers and, and uh, baby words for a while until I can get the visuals down and like really cement them into my head. Um, so, so th these things start off, there's, there's a lot of coding books out there that, you know, start off like, here's a variable, here's a string, here's a thing. And then bam, all of a sudden, okay, now we're in the classes and this is going to be the, you know, this is how you call a function from the, the, the left wing of hell. Um, so, I find that a lot of coding books have a really heavy hockey stick, like right in the middle of it, um, in terms of, in terms of difficulty. The, these these um, do not. They're 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 fair. They they kind of handhold you all the way through the process. Um, that being said, my recommendation for getting into programming, for learning how to program, is pick one book. I don't care which one it is. Pick one book and read the entire thing. Go all the way through cover to cover, front to back. I mean, skip variables if you already know what the hell a variable is, but, you know, go, go through a cover to cover. Even, even if you don't get the, even, even if there's, there's pieces that you don't get. And I, I didn't do this for the longest time. I would just get to a point where it got too hard and I would give up. And I wish I, I wish I hadn't done that. Read it even, and even if you don't understand it, just read it and keep and grind through it. Because the problem with programming is that a lot of the programming concepts depend on one another. So, so for loops and ranges depend upon each other, and you can't learn for loops unless you learn ranges, and you can't really, you know, get, you know, figure out what a range is until you learn how to implement it in a for loop. And so that there's this chicken and egg thing. So you, you've got to get one into your head, and then, and then eventually you'll get the other one in. So read one book, and then read the next book, and then read the next book, and then, and then after you've got like two or three in your head. I would go back and reread the first book again because there's going to be crap in there that you didn't get the first time that that will make a lot more sense after you've got a lot more of the language, a lot more of the dictionary in your head as to, as to what these words even mean. Um, and, and, you know, pl play with something that, that gives you a lot of good repetition. Um, I recommend code combat, but what anything that you can do, to keep code in your head, like, you know, just read a couple lines every day or, or, or do something to just hammer it home. Um, keep, keep it in your head and, and just stick to a book, move on, stick to the next book, move on, stick to the next book, move on, and then, and then do them again. Um, I, I'm, I'm currently 
going through automate for the second time. I'm currently going through um, modern Python bootcamp for like the third time because it's because that's that good for me. Um, and I always use Python tutor. So those those are my recommendations for learning. Okay, so we're about to get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of the basics here. Um, this this is when we're going to start talking about you know all of the the data structures and and whatnot like that. Um, bef before we dip into that, are there any questions about learning? Are there any questions about the process? If if there are people that already know the the, the next you know section. It's not going to break my heart for you guys to drop out. This is we're going to go through you know variable strings, dictionaries, um, the the processes of them, and everything like that. And and um, that's it's it's going to be it's going to be all of the information that you're going to get out of here. But I'm just trying to collate them into into one quick and easy section uh, to to get your appetite whetted for for programming. No questions, just a comment. Pick something simple, pick something that's real, and get it working to grind on it when you're getting started with this kind of thing. Yes, that is that is absolutely correct. Um, that, that's actually a really good point. Find, finding like a little project that you really that that is real to you. Like if if you have like a, a gro like if somebody sends you a grocery list and you want to move it over. So. Um, my boss has there, there's a there's a website out there called Pack Publishing, uh, and every 24 hours they give away a free PDF, a free a free ebook. Um, and he didn't he, he was so lazy he didn't want to go to the website to see what the free book was every day. I just have it set as my homepage, so I just I just see it every morning. Um, but he didn't want to he didn't want to go to the page, so he used um, a Python script and used the beautiful soup module to scrape the information out of that and his Twitter account um, sends out a tweet to him with the, with the book of the day. So, so he used, he used Python and uh, beautiful soup and the Twitter hooks to, to tweet to himself the, uh, the book of the day. Um, and, and that was how he, that's how he, he started getting into Python. Um, pick a project, find something that's, that's relevant to you um, and, and, and do that. That's that's a, that's the the best way to to do something. When when you're playing with like you know four loops and and you oh I can print from one to ten. Who who cares? And, you know it's 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 good for a demo, but it's not it's not going to give you the the real um, the real feel for what of how powerful this language can be. Okay. That being said, um, on to variables. So variables are the the buckets that allow you to um, to instantiate stuff, you could you could call you know direct data structures directly like numbers and 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 stuff like that. But without variables, without things to contain them and help you to modify them, you don't have you know what I don't I don't need to over this is an IT crowd. I don't need to talk about variables, do I? No, I don't. Um, I'll just I'll, I'll get it. I'll I'll talk about the specifics for Python. So um, if you Google PEP8 style guide, you'll see what the style conventions are for variables in Python. Um, the the the, ver the convention for variables is lowercase underscore numbers. Do not start with a number. Um, you can you can start with a letter or with an underscore. Uh, names are case sensitive, of course. Um, the stylistic conventions, and that's from the Pepe style guide. Uh, use snake, use lowercase snake case for variables, camel case for classes, capital snake case for constants. Constants being numbers in your code that you do not want to ever change, uh, like you know the value for pi or or something like that. Um, and if you and if you're working in in a um, 
in a uh, open open source uh, something like an open source module or something like that, and you see double unders for something, that means don't touch it. Otherwise, you'll you'll uh, you'll start breaking things and things will go horribly. So for my examples, I've got you know message equals hello world. This is you know our string, or the very first thing that anybody ever does. If you print, you can you can print this directly, or you can print the variable for it, and it'll give you the exact same. It'll it will give you the exact same thing. You can concatenate strings together. You can you can package strings into a variable. You can package booleans into a variable, and and I'll get into all the other things as well. Um, by concatenating those two together, you can say first equals hello, second equals world. All together now is the third variable, which is first plus second. Then if you print all together now, it'll give you hello world, and you got to make sure you put your oops, got to make sure you put your spaces in there as well. Um, so and then then you'll see that I changed message from a string to a Boolean type to an integer. Um, Python is a dynamically typed language. So there's, there's two different types of languages. There's statically typed languages and dynamically typed languages. Um, a, in a statically typed language, you specify what the variable type is going to be. So if you want your variable message to be string, you in, in your code, you say this variable is going to be a string, um, and then this is and this is the the body of the string. Um, that's so that the that during compile time, your 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 code is is checked. The variables are called and, and placed into the proper memory buckets, and then and then the uh, the code runs. Python is a dynamically typed language, which means that your variables can change on the fly during runtime. So message can be string for the beginning part of it. You can change it to a Boolean, you can change it to a one, you can change it to a list, you can change it to whatever. Um, because Python is, is uh, munged at runtime, that is one of the, that's why it's dynamically typed, and that's also why it runs slower than statically typed languages, which, which compile before they actually run. Um, which, which makes it very versatile, which makes it very cool. Um, but it also, again, it makes it slow, a little bit slower than your, your traditional statically typed languages. Um, I don't do anything performance-wise that, that where, th where that becomes an issue for me. So I, I don't worry about that. And I really like Python. And um, there's, they're actually making it more and more efficient. So in version, in version 3.7, they, they changed, well, actually, I'll get into that later when I get into dictionaries. Okay. Um, any questions? Too yes. slow, too fast, just right? Quick question. Uh, so are there any special characters that need to be escaped, or are there no other special characters that can be used in naming variables? Um, so, so, all you, so when, you're, when naming variables, all you can use is numbers, letters, and the underscore. You cannot use special characters. All right. Thank you. Did, did that answer the question? Because you said escape. So are we talking about escape characters? The question was any special characters that need to be escaped, and I, I'm assuming that this is in reference to what you were talking about when naming variables. So, I, okay, the answer is uh, no special characters except underscores can be even used when naming a variable. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I mean there, there are escape characters for for uh, the bodies of strings and stuff, but not. I, actually, I'm not even going to get into that. That's in the books. Um, so no, there, there's uh, for, for variables. Numbers, letters, underscores. No special characters. Okay, cool. On to strings. Uh, let me close this window. So uh, strings, 
they're a sequence of Unicode characters. They are always held in either a single quote or a double quote. So this is this is a variable that I have instantiated named Chris Williams. Um, you'll notice that there's two spaces in front of Chris and two spaces after Chris. That counts, white space counts as a string, as, as a piece of the string. Um, you can use single quotes or double quotes to instantiate your string, but you have to be consistent across the string. So this string has double quotes, this string has single quotes. You can't have a string that starts with a double quote and ends with a single quote. Um, the reason for that is sometimes you want to do something where you have a, uh, let's say Chris Williams, Chris's something or other. Say, say you want to like show possession and you want to have a, you know, apostrophe S in here. You have to have, if, if you had, if you had single quotes on the outside like this, the string would actually end right here. So that, so when, whenever you're doing something where you're like quoting somebody and you want to have it in quotes, you'll use, you'll, you'll vary your, your outside quotes to be the double quotes or the single quotes. And then you'll vary the inside one to be the single quotes, or the double quotes or, or vice versa. That made sense, right? Did that, did what I say just make sense? Ken, you saw I that? I can't for all of our attendees. Are I understood. Are you okay, good. <laughs> all right. Um, I'll, I'll get into this more in, in the in the list section, but strings are indexed. Um, so you can actually think of a string as a as a as a list. Um, it's got an index, and the and the 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 zeroth index is or the the first index is actually zero. Um, the second index is one. The third index is two. So um, if you're if you're trying to split a string or you're trying to manipulate the string value or do something with it, you can actually count through. So there's there's a number of ways to manipulate strings and and to get into all things string. Um, Dr. Chuck's uh, um, Python for Everybody class is amazing. He, 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 he literally spends like three quarters of the time talking about how to like import files, um, grind through the string, you know, grind through each line of the string and talk about, you know, all, all the, the different things that you can do with strings. I'm, I'm not even going to do it justice. So I just say see Dr. Chuck's videos because they're phenomenal. Um, he doesn't get into F strings because the, uh, the version that he was on, I think when he recorded the videos was 3.4 or 3.5 and, uh, and F strings came out in 3.6. Um, yeah, so uh, f so there so strings are indexed. Um, if you're if you're looking at a string and you want to like pull a character out of the out of the the body of it, or if you want to search for it, there's a there's a ton of different methods uh, wherein you can do that. If you want to change everything to uppercase, so say like if you're looking for a password or you're trying to strip stuff out of it, or you're trying to manipulate the data, you can use the upper method to capitalize everything, the title method to just capitalize the names. You can use the, the strip method. There's R strip, L strip, and strip, and that will clip the white space out of the sides so that you so that if you're trying to sanitize inputs um, for like a database or or you're trying to you're trying to move data from one thing to another thing, you can use you can use all of these types of methods, and there's there's a ton more. There's there's so many things, so many ways that you can manipulate strings. It's crazy. Um, you can use that to to do that. Um, back back to the talk about string, if strings are indexed, you can actually take the variable and call out the index section of of the variable to to get pieces of it. So if if you want to know what the third 
character is in your arc, so 0, 1, 2, 3, um, that will return an H. So if, if you're trying to like, you know, go through a go through your environment and see what the last word is or the last letter is in your environment you can you can use your your index functions to pull information out of strings um, oh yeah and so so here's oh yeah and um, so just to to reiterate a string eight is not the same as the numerical eight if you take an eight and you put quotes around it that that becomes a string and um, if you if you're trying to glom together strings if you're doing string concatenation. You need to be careful because you cannot concatenate strings and ints or strings and floats. They have to be the same thing. And that used to be a little bit more of a pain back before f-strings came about, but now it's magically delicious. So for example, if you take a variable and you create the variable year, which is an int, um, and then you want to, previously what you had to do was you'd have to take this, if you wanted to print something out or do something with that with that int, you would say string plus, then take the int, cast it as a string so that it could be conglomerated together or glommed together, and then it would get the year is 2019. Now with f strings, you can actually just pop a little f in the front of it, throw your variable in there, and it it modifies it for you. So it looks cleaner, it's, it's easier to, to work. There was also this, this other concept where you could use the format, which was even worse than, than casting it. Um, but but this, was, this was easier for, for larger programs. Um, again, string's awesome. Uh, to get really into the weeds of strings, Dr. Chuck's classes are, are fantastic. Okay, um, anything on strings? I agree, f-strings are f-awesome. Oh, I, I knew somebody was going to say that. Go, Ken. I'm so proud of you. I had to get that in there. Yeah. I, 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 I would have been disappointed if you hadn't. All right. So uh, Booleans and conditional logic. Booleans, true and false values. Um, for for non-programmers, when I first saw Booleans, I was like, who, who, yes, okay, one or zero. Whoop-de-do. True and false values are literally the, the bedrock of, of all things. Um, Boolean and conditional logic is is how you is how you run the world in programming. It's it's a uh, you it, it's used in for loops. It's used in while loops. It's used it's used everywhere that you want to to you know do anything. Um, so true and false values. Um, there are certain things that that are inherently truthy, and there are certain things that are inherently falsy. So the number zero is inherently falsy. So if if you're if you've got a piece of code and you're trying to, you know, proof prove truthiness of it, um, then and and you say so like if you say while zero, uh, that that actually gives you a a false and um, in a in a while string, and and I'll get into while strings in a second too. See, this this is what I was talking about. There's there's so many things that you have to know to know the other things that that when you start talking about one thing, it immediately like bleeds over into 17 other different topics. And, and that's why you just kind of have to grind through it to, to, to get it in your head. And then, and then once you've, I, I don't want to say it's, it's rote memorization, but it, it, in, in certain respects it kind of is. You just have to know that, that zero and empty objects are inherently falsy and that everything else, one, strings, dictionaries full of stuff are, are truthy, and then you can then you can actually use that in a for loop, but then you have to know what a for loop is. So just remember that you know empty objects, zeros, and none 
the 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 value none are inherently falsy, uh, and everything else is inherently truthy. And when I say empty lists, uh, I, I I don't mean uh, a list with the number zero in it. That's actually has a value and that's truthy. I mean a list that is literally just an open bracket and a close bracket. Um, okay, so conditional logic or so uh, hold on, truthy. So comparison operators. Um, you guys should know this. Equal equals is is your is your equals. The, a single equals is a variable assignment operator. It does not mean equals. Age is 25 means the variable age is the number 25, the integer 25. If you want to compare values, 25 is equal to 25, you would have to use the double equals. Um, this bang equals means not equals. So 13 is not equal to 25. That, that resolves to a true statement. Uh, then we have greater than, less than, greater than or equal to, less than or equal to. And then, and then we have your logical operators and or not. So conditional logic, conditional logic means if something is true, then, then do something based upon that true statement. Else if, if the, if that, if the, if, if so if this resolves to false, it then immediately falls into the next layer of the, of the else if check for the truthiness of that statement. If that, truthy, if that statement is true, then do this and then kick out, else do the default action. Um, I, I said that horribly, let me, let me try to reiterate that again. The, the, the way that if else statements work is, it has, it has a series of checks and they happen in order. So the, the, if the first check resolves true, and it does this thing, it, it then immediately comes out of, the, out of the if statement of the conditional logic. It doesn't go through the LF, it does not go through the else. It has to go false, false, to bang to, to get to the else, or if it goes false, true, then it'll do this something else. Um, and, but it's, it's one of these things, but not anything else. That sounded terrible. Ken, did that make sense, or is or was that was that a um, was that a complete whiff on my part? Be I'm honest. with you so far. Uh, let, let's step back real quick. We have a question though about empty objects. Uh, somebody's asking, is yes. there a concept? Two two part question. Uh, is there a concept of null and empty being different? And, and kind of the follow up question is, is an empty list a null? Does that make sense? Yeah. So so null and none are the same thing. Uh, none. None in Python is null in uh, I think Java. I, I can't remember. Um, it, so so that th those those are the same two concepts across languages. That is different from an empty object. An empty object is is literally. Let me see if I have one. So so this right here is an empty object. Open bracket close bracket is an empty object. A none value is actually the is actually this word none. Um, so. You can you can return an empty object. You can return a none, but those are those are not the same thing. Those those have those have two different values in in Python. And what was the second piece of that that question? It is an empty list a null? Uh, no, no, an empty list is not a null. All right, thank you. Cool. All right. Um, Okay, and so then down at the bottom here, we have logical operators, the and, or, and not. So 
in, in an if, elif, else stack, you can check for the truthiness of a statement, but what you can also do is you can check for the truthiness of multiple statements. So um, in this if statement, if five is greater than three and two is equal to the string Steve, do something. This is false because both of these statements are not true. Um, you can use the or statement, which means that either one of the, of the uh, statements has to be true. So if one is true and one is false, it's true. Um, but if both are false, then, then it, it resolves to false. So you have to have, it's either or. And then, and then there's the not, which um, doesn't, doesn't actually have, uh, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a double uh, comparator, it's a single comparator. You can, you can use the not in front of a variable to say like, so age greater than 42, true not age, excuse me, less than, age less than 42 true, not age less than 42 false. So you, you use that when you want to invert the, the truthiness of something. Um, and I don't really have a good example for that. I know, I know that there's a bunch of really good examples out there, but I couldn't, I couldn't think of one off the fly. Um, yeah, so like I said, a, a lot of this stuff, get, I mean, th there's literally entire chapters dedicated to each one of these things in, in the books that I, that I mentioned before. So this is, this is a, a very, very high level, very fast, highly incomplete uh, <laughs> introduction to these things. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into a couple more of the data structures. These, these are a bit of the more advanced data structures, but these are the bread and butter of, of um of programming. You've got lists, you've got uh, dictionaries, you've got tuples and sets, and I'm going to get into each one of these individually. So a list is um, one of Python's most powerful features uh, available to beginner programmers. Um, I'm going to get into, into a little bit of the, uh, of the list comprehension stuff down here, but basically what it is, it's an ordered collection of items. So a, a list is, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, um, this list, this particular list right here is an integer, a string, an integer, a dictionary, an, another list inside of that list, another string, and a Boolean value. And my boss was actually supposed to be watching this, so let me see if he's on. He's not on, so this joke has fallen flat. Dadgummit. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that Jonesy sees this. Um, I put a little false back here in the back of it because he's not a jerk. He's actually really nice. Um, so, like I said, an ordered list of items. It's very important that you know that you remember that lists are ordered. So lists are indexed. So remember back when I was talking about strings and in the indexing of strings, lists are indexed. So the index starts at zero. So if you say my list zero, um, oh, actually, here we go, my list five, it will pull the fifth element out of the list. Now note that the dictionary and the sublist are also count as one element in the environment. You have if you if you pull out four, it'll it'll actually pull this list out. It won't pull out the first bit of this list. If you wanted to pull out the if you want to pull out a sub piece out of this sublist, you would actually have to have another bracket with another call to the list inside of the list. Um, they're, they're extraordinarily powerful, and I really didn't want to get into nested lists or nested dictionaries, but just know that those things exist, and, and when you get into it, it, it becomes really, really cool because then you can have like, you know, two, 3D um, data points and really, really cool data structures. Um, 
the, the basic format of a list is it starts with an open bracket, it ends with an open bracket, and all of the values are comma separated. Uh, the list, the index starts at zero, and lists and for loops, so wh wherever you see a list, you're probably gonna see a for loop too because lists and for loops are like peanut butter and jelly. When you use a for loop, you can iterate through the list, you can do stuff to the different pieces of the list, um, and there are a number of methods that you can call to manipulate lists. You can, you can append more items to the end of your list, you can take, you can pop items off the end of the list, you can insert things into the middle of it. You can search things. There's there's tons of stuff for lists. Again, going back to the books, there's more than one chapter devoted to lists because, like I said, it's very very powerful. Um, list comprehension, Voodoo Space Magic. Uh, this line right here literally takes five lines. If if you don't use list comprehension, then you you this would take you about five lines of code to do. You can you can do that within one line. I'm not even going to talk about it. Just remember list comprehension. Um, who, which one has a good one? Oh, Colt Steele. Colt Steele's classes on list comprehension are fantastic. He really hammers home both list comprehension and dictionary comprehension, so that you get a really good feel for exactly how powerful this is. You can you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with you can. So, the concept of a list is you've got your your for and your in. Uh, hold on, wait, am I getting ahead of myself? I'm getting ahead of myself. Scr scratch that. Um, yeah, scratch that. <laughs> okay, on to dictionaries. Wait, before we go on to dictionaries, any, any questions about lists? No questions, keep going. All right, dictionaries. Dictionaries are key value pairs. So lists are, are very powerful and very amazing, but they're also limited in that all you have is one value per thing and you don't and you don't have other than other than the index and the ability to sort it you don't have a way of going in and finding all of the you know people named sally or something like that um, and that's where dictionaries come in dictionaries store data in key value pair formats um, they they used to, well I'll get into the order thing in a second. They start and end with a curly braces. So lists started and ended with the straight brackets. Um, dictionaries start and end with curly braces, and then everything in here is going to be key, colon, value, and then comma. So it's it's two it's two uh, discrete pieces of information separated by a colon. Um, most of the time, the key or the value is either a string or a number, um, but the value can be literally anything. It can be Boolean, string, dictionary, um, all, all kinds of stuff. When I was talking about nested dictionaries, this this happens a lot. Um, you'll, you'll you'll see the the name of something, and then or like like um, I, I guess the the classic. What's what's a good classic example? Car. So so if you have a car, you have like you know. The, the name would be Audi. And then for the engine parts, you could then have a subsequent, another dictionary inside of here that has a list of all of the engine parts. Um, their dictionaries are, are really, really cool. As, as with lists, you can pull information out of a dictionary using specific calls. So, um, but when you're call, so in a list, when you're calling it, you're calling it from the index range. In a dictionary, you're calling it by the key pair, and the key pair then spits out the value. Um, 
And there's a number of ways that you can manipulate it. You can actually change information in here. So in this one I had, you know, my dictionary name, Chris is funny, false, haha, location USA. Um, you can call it, you can call name and that'll spit out Chris. You can go my dictionary location equals now Japan and that will change the value in here so that if you then recalled this dictionary, your location would then change, would, it, would have been modified to Japan. Um, you can add additional values to the end of the dictionary. Um, you can pull all of the values out of the dictionary. Uh, you can pull all the keys out of the dictionary. You can pull both the key and value pairs out of the dictionary. So here's here's a um, oops here's a good for loop. Um, for info in my dictionary dot values. So so what this does is this references the dictionary value pairs. Um, and then it iterates through and it uses this as a as a variable to then perform an action on the variable, which in this case is print. Um, so almost always numbers are strings, values can be anything in the dictionary. Um, loop over dictionaries. Oh yeah, and then and then dictionary comprehension, more space magic. Um, what else, what else was I gonna say about this? Oh, for, for value pairs, um, you can use numbers and for for the for the key, you want it to be anything that's immutable, so numbers, strings, and uh, tuples, and and I'll get into tuples here in a second. Um, numbers and strings are are immutable. Um, tuples are also immutable. You want you want it to be you can't for your key value you can't have like a list or something that you could modify or change or something like that, which. If you think about it, it makes sense. You don't want your key to be changing because that's literally the only way that you can access your value here. Um, so I think that might answer a question we got, which was asking when you're adding a key value pair, can you mm -hmm. specify both by using variables? Um, no, no, you can, you cannot. So a, a variable would be, would be, because it's dynamically typed, a variable would be mutable. So you could not use a variable. Is that, you know what? I'm not sure. I don't, I think the answer is no, but I'm not hundred percent positive. Uh, tuples can be used key. It has to, it has to be any immutable type. So dictionaries can be indexed by keys. Uh, I'm literally looking this up as we go. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the, the key so the key has to be immutable. So I'm, I'm assuming the key cannot be a variable. I, I cannot answer whether or not the value can be a variable. Um, I would test that. I would, I would, I would create a dictionary and then, and then, um, you know, create a variable, create a dictionary with a variable in there and see it and see if that worked. That's, that's a, that's an excellent piece of homework assignment for the asker to install the, the REPL and, uh, and test that theory out. Who asked that? That was Graham. And Larry oh, just chimed in saying uh, <laughs> keys can be variables. Really? Keys can be variables. That's that's what uh that's what Larry's telling us. All right. Well, you know what? When we get an actual programmer in here, we'll be we'll have uh we'll have Larry <laughs> back on and, and those two can go at it. Uh, I'm I'm not I don't I don't know enough about that to say whether or not that's true or not. My dick bar value, if that is a question, bar WTF, maybe homework for Kristen. <laughs> Kramer's such a smart ass. <laughs> All right, on to tuples and sets. 
So um, tuples are, are similar to lists uh, with the exception that you cannot change the values inside the tuple once it has been defined. Um, they start with a open paren, they end with a closed paren, they are comma separated values, and um, it's, it's individual values. So they look like a list except for the fact that they got parentheses on the other sides of them. They, because they are immutable, once you've created it, you can't you can't do anything to it. Um, there's only there's only two built-in methods that allow you to view like so count and index. Count returns the number of times a specified value occurs in the tuple, and index searches the tuple for a specified value and returns the position where it was found. So you can you can do some minimal things to tuples. Um, why would you use them? Uh, so if, if you have like a coordinate plot point and, and that thing never changed, basically, basically anytime you have a piece of data that you want to never change, uh, you, would, you would use a, a tuple for it. Um, tuples are very fast because, because this is a dynamically typed language. If you, if you hard set something and Python knows that you're using a tuple and that it doesn't have to do any extra thinking around it, it can, it can grab and use that information very, very quickly. So if, if, you, if you are in a position where you have a piece of data that's never going to change, then uh, you would want to use a tuple because it actually speeds up the programming. I'm not a programmer, so I don't have the, uh, a use case in my head as to, you know, oh, well, this would, this would be the best place to use it. Um, Sets are, are very similar to, uh, they're, they're also, they're, they're kind of a cross between a, um, a tuple and, a, well, so they're not ordered, so they're similar to dictionaries. Um, they're comma-separated values, so they're a little bit similar to lists, but you're not allowed to have duplicate values inside of a set. Um, so, and also, and unlike a dictionary, there's no key value pairs. So if you took a set like one, two, three, 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 four, five, five, um, it would resolve to a set of one, two, three, four, five. Uh, you can, the, the use case for using a set is when you wanna keep a, a track of a collection of items, but you don't care about order or key or values or duplicates. So if you want, if you're, for example, if you were like, um, when, uh, when we were, when we did AWS Community Day, we had everybody respond to a questionnaire with their with their zip code, so so have, having that we didn't we did, for for a certain piece of the information we didn't care about how many people came from the zip code we just want to know how far away people were, were from, so when we glommed that together we just had a list of all of the zip codes we we ran that list through a set and then changed it back into a list and that gave us just one set of values of all of the discrete. Um, unique uh, zip codes that we had. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of use case that you would have for sets. Um, looping, I actually had loops in, in the previous section, but I didn't really get into the, the why and the wherefore of it, so we're gonna do that now. So for iterable objects like lists, strings, and ranges, um, you can run a for loop against it that allows you to do a thing against that iterable object. So the, the keywords in a loop, in, in a for loop is the for, a, a, a random variable name, it can be item, it can be num, it can be whatever you want it to be, in, and then the iterable object that you are trying to, to go through. So again, this can be a list, this can be a string, this can be a range. And, and that was actually the example that I had in the, in the visualized Python. So for num, in range one to 10, print the number. 
that's and that's and that's what a um, a for loop allows you to do. Again, a a very powerful uh, loop looping structure that allows you to go through information within a program. A while loop is similar to a for loop, uh, with the exception that you have to satisfy a truthy condition and you have to do a little bit of work ahead of the loop to make sure that you don't you don't get stuck into a, into a um, an infinite loop. Uh, so you do need to do a little bit of a setup. If the condition never becomes false, it will continue forever. Uh, if you are iterating, don't forget to increment or decrement the iterator. Uh, my example here is I've created a variable asking for user input, what's the password? Um, the, the while loop comes in here. While the message does not equal the string abracadabra, print no. <laughs> and and then and then reprint what's the password so this will this will recycle over and over and over and over again until you type in the words abracadabra once you have printed the word abracadabra it'll kick out um, it'll it'll resolve to true which is not true which is false so it'll it'll then kick out of the while loop and then print open says me um, so that's that's for loops and while loops um, Obviously, there's a ton more into all of that, so uh, I almost I almost cringe to ask, are there any questions? There are questions. Of course there's questions. Graham, what's your question? <laughs> you didn't have any questions on loops, uh, believe it or not. Son of... Seriously? Graham, come on. Bro. <laughs> I'm almost upset. <laughs> I'm not. Um, okay. So, functions. This this is also a, a giant. So this is this is getting into this is some. I'm not going to say advanced, but this is like more of the intermediate stuff. Um, a function is a block of code that usually does one specific job. Um, and say say you've got a program where you where you have to do something over and over and over again. You you don't want to have a long piece of code that that repeats you know do something then then this then do something then that what you can do is you can create a function that you can reference back to in the code to do that task for you over and over again so it's basically write once call it as many times as you need um, the the body of a function is there's the, there's the def word that that is the start of the definition of the function the name of the function if you have any parameters that you want to pass into the function, then they would be listed here. You can have zero to you know several functions in here. I'm not going to get into star args or star star or keyword args or anything like that. That's that's way yeah. Um, then in the, in the function itself, you would then do something. You if you have parameters, you would take those parameters and do something with the parameters, um, and then you would either return a value or not, or maybe not return a value. Um, and that would be, this is the definition of the function here. And then in the body of your code, you would then call the function by saying the name and then passing in the arguments that would feed into it. So the parameters are up here. The arguments would be like the numbers that you would pass into it. So the, the example, the very basic example is defining the function and the function name is hello. Um, the parameters for hello are the, are, the, are the words first and the word last. These are not strings. These are actually parameters that, that, you, that you pass stuff into. Um, when, when, you're creating a def when you're creating a function, you always want to have a triple quote. Um, what's, what's the name for that thing? I, I forget the name of that. So th this, uh, gives, this 
basically it defines it's 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 um, documentation on on what the on what this function actually does, um, and then and then you have the body of the function itself. Oh, so you so the so it's sorry I forgot about this part. Define name uh, open paren parameters if you have any close paren colon. And then when you hit enter, you'll you'll have it'll it'll kick in either it'll give you four spaces and then the something. It's I forgot to mention this. Python is very space sensitive, so when when you're creating code in Python, if you don't have the correct if you don't have the correct number of spaces in your in your um, in your function calls or your for loops or something like that, it will it will bork out. So if you say for num in range colon, if you hit enter, it it spaces itself appropriately. But if for some reason you do something stupid like this, and and then and then you hit visualize execution, it'll it'll crap out. Uh, it's supposed to crap out. It's not crapping out on me. I don't know why that's not crapping out. If you do this in the REPL, this actually fails. I I hate I hate live demos. Um, okay, never mind. This is this is supposed to crap out. It didn't crap out. Um, okay. I was I was trying to talk about case sensitivity. Uh, that that Python tutor proved me to be a liar. Um, okay, back to functions. Define, uh, de definition, hello, first, last, a simple greeting, print, f string, hello, last, first, um, based upon the f string demonstration that we gave before. This is, this is taking the, the variable or the, the parameter last and inputting it from there to here. And then this is taking the, param the, the parameter from here and inputting it there. So when you then call, so this by itself does nothing. If you create a function, it, it won't it won't do anything until you actually call to it. So, um, in the body of the code, you would then say hello, and then you would pass in two strings, Ken Nalbone. This would then go into so when when you then call when you then call the function, it's passing these arguments into these parameters. So Ken goes into first, and Nalbone goes into last. So then when you say hello, or when you say print f string hello last comma first, this actually prints out and says hello nalbone comma Ken. And that's that's the, the basics of a function. All right, this slide was so important, I had to do it twice. Um, if you guys have any questions about this afterwards, uh, I, I'll, be, I'll be glad to like give you the links. Um, I'll probably make sure that we put this in the video too, that, that all these links are in the body of the, um, at, at the bottom of the video as well. So, um, any last comments, questions, queries to, to the non-programmer? I'm sure there are always numerous questions and comments. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Graham wanted to know how do you specify the end of a function definition? Does it basically just have to do with the indentation you were talking about? That last part was me oh. asking. No. So, so to end a function, basically what you do, oh, here's, here's the REPL. I'll just, I'll just do it here. Def, um, my funk. Um, last, yeah, actually, wait a minute, I'll just cut and paste. Lazy. So when you hit enter and then it gives you the, the second line, 
we'll then use this as the body of it. So when you hit enter here, that gives you the, the, uh, the second line inside of the function. To escape the function, to get out of it, you just basically hit again. Um, that, that gets it out of it in the REPL. If you're in an IDE and you want to escape the function, you just, you just um, go, go back in the lines. So, uh, oh, here we go, I got a function right here. So if, you, if, you're like, so if you wanna get out of this function, if you hit enter, it'll come back again, hit backspace, and then you, you escape the function. Very cool. Does that make sense? It, it does. Okay. Yes, so, okay. So, um, since, since we're here, let's uh, call the function. Hello, Ken. Now, Oh, see, almost screwed that one up. And then it comes back. So it, it passed it in, um, and the order is very important in a function. So first, so whatever you have here goes into the first parameter, whatever you have here goes into the second parameter. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go into, uh, the, the, there, there's ways to, to get around that, but just know that it's, that order is important, which is, which is why I inverted it here because you can actually take these and do whatever the hell you want to within the body of the function. Um, and with that, hold on, I gotta, I gotta show my last little, there's, there's that. And then there's the quit. So whenever, whenever you want to uh, escape the REPL, you just type in quit, open, close, paren, it's a little method and uh, it closes, closes the, uh, closes it out for you. Holy mackerel. Did that actually go an hour and 10 minutes? You Man. did. Congratulations. Uh. <laughs> this is great. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, yeah, that, that was super fun. Even Let's if see. it's basics, it is not lacking in great information. It, so it's it's you know it, it's like I said, it's it's one of those things where you're going to read a book and and you're going to be lost, and then you're going to then you're going to watch somebody's Udemy videos, and you're going to be like, okay, I remember that word from previously. I think I can piece these things together. Um, what I really really liked about um, the Colt Steel Modern Python Three Bootcamp was all of the was all of the um, uh, demonstrations and everything in there. Let me let me actually uh, bring it up real quick. You guys can see it. Oh yeah, here check this out. I went I went bananas the other day and I just bought like a ton of Udemy courses. I overkill. They were all on sale, so I was like, I got them all for five bucks. Um, so, in so it's it's basically like intro, then exercise, then intro, then exercise, then introduct, then let's talk about loops, and then have an exercise. It's 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 very very exercise heavy. You then you then punch in the information, you then click check solution, and if it if it if it uh, fails, it'll it'll give you a little bit of a reason why it failed. If it works, it says your solution is correct. But then the cool part is, you then go into the solution section. It explains kind of what you should have done. And then if you go into the Q and A, you have like literally everybody else's solution in here as well. They're like, I tried it this way. Why didn't this work? And then there's there's a lot of back and forth from the other students. And and I've seen a lot of really clever different ways to do things in here. Um, so, so I, I really highly recommend, uh, the, the Colt Steel videos, um, for people that think like me. 
<laughs> which is literally nobody. So never mind. Ignore ignore me. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Chris. Cool. There's no more questions. Um, we're looking forward to more in this series, and thank you very much for kicking it off with us tonight. I am, I am looking forward to hosting a whole bunch of real developers and, uh, and asking them a bunch of questions. It's going to be great fun. Awesome. Thanks. And I'm going to hit stop recording now.